84 years ago, George, Dennis, Patrick, <laughs> Carlin, all you got to say is Carlin, was born in New York City. Lived to be 71 years old, left us with a long resume, a lasting impact, stand-up comedy, the way we think, the way we talk, politics, everything, analyzing, (laughs) it's all out there. He is legendary for those HBO specials. Even before you had HBO, you would get the DVD, you would get the CD, where I'm just looking for a place to put my stuff. My favorite, I was reminiscing last night, I was watching... uh, Carlin, and that's the beauty of YouTube, you can watch everything, but he's predicting all of these things that now we do, you know, social media, uh, groups, you know, we all wear a uh, pen for this, a color for this, you know what my pen is, color is brown, <laughs> something, because uh, <laughs> I forget what he says, don't worry, I, I gotta go back and find it, I gotta go back and find it, it's funny. As he got older, he got he got crazier. In the 70s, the 70s were legendary. Cocaine and Carlin. Oh, yeah. The same goes for Mr. Richard Pryor. You want to talk about the two bookends of comedy? It's Pryor and Carlin. And, and the Mount Olympus is Lenny Bruce. They both were doing what Lenny, you know, Lenny Bruce, Lenny Bruce laid down the foundation for George Carlin and Richard Pryor. In terms of what you could say, <laughs> I was listening to Kelly Carlin's autobiography, her book, uh, A Carlin Home Companion. It's a biography, it's family guru, it's a chronicler of this very close-knit family the three musketeers and kelly talks about how i guess they were all getting arrested and george wanted to get arrested too and lenny bruce said what are you a schmuck (laughs) he was a schmuck a funny schmuck yeah that that book i recommend to all of you it's a really great audiobook the audiobooks are very interesting I was listening to it when gyms were still open. Remember that? And (laughs) I would laugh out loud while I was on the treadmill. And people would kind of look at me and I'm like, oh, I hope they have their headphones in. Because I had them in too. But you know, when you're treadmilling it, you are, well, you know, you're not thinking about everything else within your vicinity. You're just reacting. It was hilarious. (laughs) And so tonight, we're going to dive more into George Carlin. You know George Carlin's real dream? And I talked to my cousin about this about a year ago. Maybe I should call him again. Or I could just use part of last year's interview. He met George Carlin about twice. And you know, George Carlin basically wanted to be a movie star. It was his Danny K dream. He, he had the Danny K dream for success because he wanted to be like Danny K. He wanted to wow his mother, who was an ad executive 
You know, she worked in ad, ad advertising. So whenever he would do those <laughs> stand-up bits about ad ad people and how they should shoot themselves, and you know, she was she was an ad agency person. So ooh, yeah. Or the nuns. I mean, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. You know. I know some people don't think he's funny. That he's more of a chronicler and an analyzer, analysis of things that we do. But then you look at it now and it's like, oh my God, he predicted the future. When it came to politics, let me find it. I posted it earlier, if I can find it. When you're born, you get a ticket to the freak show. When you're born in America, you get a front row seat. George Carlin. Born May 12th, 1937. Died. Was it June 28th? June 22nd, 2008. He died right before we elected Obama. And I know he had some some things to say about the election because he did right before he died. And how the media coverage and everything. Yeah. People have often asked what would he make of what we just went through for four years? Hey, it's in that quote right there. A ticket to the freak show. And he would also probably say this is this is what you guys wanted. This is what you worked for. You worked for a schmuck like that. You put him in there because unfortunately, and I'm not naming any names, some of you really love reality TV. You would sell your own family for reality TV. Supposedly, someone's given a million dollars in Ohio if you get the COVID vaccine. Okay. You should just get it because it's there. Money shouldn't be attached. That's the kind of society we live in. Yeah, I didn't get paid. Whatever, fuck it. (laughs) That's the society we live in. Survivor and the bachelor. And hey, you know, if that's what you want, as Bobby Brown said, that's your prerogative. So let's go. When it comes to reality TV, here's the thing. I love Martha Stewart. I love when she, she has that show on, what is it? One of those those home things. Uh, and she's with Snoop. I love that. Or the Osbournes. The first season of the Osbournes is very entertaining. The second season and all the rest is shit. It's shite. As we would say in Scotland. It's shite. But reality TV, what I find... I, I love what Whoopi Goldberg once said about reality TV. She's, I said, do you watch reality TV? And she's like, oh no, I like cheese. And what she meant by that was she likes a nice comedy or soap in the evening to watch, to move into. And I agree with Whoop. I totally do. These, these, are, these are crazy times. You got Survivor, you've got I mean, they even brought back to tell the truth, these game shows. I've never been on a game show. I know that most of the people in my family either wanted to go on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or Jeopardy. I come from a long line of people who love trivia, not just 
movie trivia or music trivia, but like literature, history. Born and bred in California. I, I probably got an A plus for knowing that the state word is Eureka. I found it, which is associated with the gold rush. People came from far and wide just to find gold. Although the conquistadors often said that really, I mean, they were fooled because the gold was really the sunset. That, that was the pure gold and it blinded you too. Gold fever. Yep. <laughs> or if you've ever watched DuckTales, you know. Glongold and uh, Flint Hart and uh, Scrooge McDuck. Gold right there. The gold fever. The gold chalice. And California, you know, that's what we're known for. Not just Hollywood. Okay. People come now to be in films. Or as that Red Hot Chili Peppers lyric said, dream of silver screen. Uh, uh, oh, goodness. I'm forgetting it now. It's uh, silver screen exploitation. I don't know. I haven't listened to Californication in a while. Californication is really the, the darkness of Hollywood. Of <laughs> I, it, I will say this, you know, I, I'm not for a recall. But I remember when they recalled Gray Davis for Schwarzenegger, and I was not for that. But that was the only time I voted for a Republican the second time, because I actually liked Arnold. I liked him more so for his after-school programs, his fitness, and let's fucking face it. I think some of us wanted to be like Arnold. I still do. Physically, not mentally. Although now he's kind of... You know, he's kind of more in the middle. He's not as Republican as he used to be. But, and that and that's the thing about California. It's, it's the American dream. We come here looking to get on TV and get that Screen Actors Guild card. And now we're going to tie it back over to George Carlin. Who had this Danny Kaye dream. He was going to be an actor. But first he was going to go into radio. And then he was going to go into stand-up. Because he just wanted to be in the movies. And then he finally got it to be in the movies. He was in Car Wash. He was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure 1 and 2. He was in The Prince of Tides, Barbara Streisand. Playing a gay man. (laughs) He was, of course, in Dogma. Yeah. Dogma. Fuck, that was crazy played a priest (laughs) he was in what else was he in he wasn't in Gigli he was in another kind of Ben Affleck J-Lo film where he played the grandpa I think (sighs) whenever George Carlin was in a movie it was it was exciting and so he he got to pursue his Danny K dream I don't think in the way that he wanted to It wasn't toward the end of his life that, you know, he was going on book tours and and doing TV shows, stand-up specials. I mean, he really had to work for that for years. And in the next segment, I'm just going to play clips of George. What a legendary fucker. 
And he shook up the establishment. He shook up everything. He shook it up. Whether you think he was funny or not, the fact that the seven words that you can't say on TV, that is still taught in law school in terms of how it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And was it William Rehnquist? One of them had to read off the word shit, piss, fuck, cunt, motherfucker, tits and twat, and turd. Turd, tits and twat. Let's see. Let me count them off. Motherfucker, cunt, shit, piss, turd, tits, and twat. Yeah, that's seven. That's seven. And then tits. How tits shouldn't even be on there because tits, it sounds like a friend. Hey, tits, meet toots. Yeah. Yeah. He was playing with language. George Carlin is the basically... Right there saying, you don't have to go to college. He didn't go to college. He lectured on colleges and then he stopped when everything was becoming too politically correct. Hello. In fact, I think that's where my cousin met him was on politically incorrect. I could be wrong. Or he was, he was, I think he met him at a signing. But Carlin didn't go to college and he was very, very intelligent. The fact that he was able to take language and all of these things that you all take for granted. I don't take for granted. And just fucking mash it all up. And his last special, it was almost like he was rapping. He was just dumping it all out there. And then a lot of people would complain that in interviews he wasn't funny. And the interesting thing about George, and, and I know I talked to my cousin about this, was... People were always expecting him. And even his daughter, Kelly Carlin, has said this. People were always expecting him to perform. To always be on. You know, that performer light. The light, the mic is hot. People were always expecting that of George Carlin. And, you know, he just liked to walk around and enjoy himself. Relax. It was not always on. I mean... I think the person that we could say who was always on, and in a sad way, it was great. It it led to his demise because his brain was always just recalibrating, recalibrating. Perform, perform, perform. And that was Robin Williams. Robin Williams was always on. He was always on. That light never went out. And with George Carlin, it was a completely different thing. I remember one time, and Robin had just died, and I was at a party, and they were talking about really great stand-ups, and I said, Robin Williams, and the person said, oh no, he's too manic, and there were kids around, and I almost wanted to say, motherfucker, that's the essence of stand-up, you obviously don't understand stand-up, now George Carlin did, uh, with a few doses, a few, of cocaine, oh god, overdrive, George Carlin was the first host of a new show on Saturday, October of 1975, Saturday Night Live. With the people, the, was it the players not ready for TV? And here comes the man, seven words can't say on TV. But the way that Carlin hosts, first of all, I don't think Carlin was in any of the skits. And. But, you know, whenever they would have a musical performance, that was how Carlin would do his bit on 
Saturday Night Live, the inaugural episode. Janice Ian was the musical guest, you know. She learned the truth at 17. I wonder what George thought of that. <laughs> you know, he was both, they were both in a way like the musical guests in the way they kind of presented George on that first episode of Saturday Night Live. He only hosted it once. I mean, he was on fire. He was also on cocaine when he hosted it. And, but, my thing about cocaine is it's a really evil drug. I don't do it. I know people that have, and some people think it's funny. It really does fuck you up. It fucks you up. And with George Carlin, long cocaine use led to, he died, he died of heart failure. That shit really overstimulates your heart, everything. It makes you crazy. Yeah. Would we have been granted more more years with George? I mean, George would have been 84 years old today. His daughter has said at the beginning of COVID, she wasn't so sure. In terms of his health, would he have been around now? She would have liked to hope so. But with, with all the damage that the cocaine did, the drinking, and, and what he was doing was pretty stressful. It was pretty in your face. I mean, you got you to gotta remember, Lenny Bruce got arrested for trying to say what George, George got away with saying. But the cops were still gunning for him. So when those seven words that you can't say on TV came out... They were, they were gunning for George. They were also... They knew he had drugs. So it was like, hide the drugs. And that's the, that's the sad thing is that... When... When some people... You, you mention George Carlin, they immediately say drugs. But then those people that I know who say, George Carlin... The jokes, I'm looking for a place to put my stuff. Brain droppings. Seven words you can't say on television. And then we all try to remember, I, I mean, I didn't say the seven words you can't say on TV in the right order, because there, that, that was the other thing about George Carlin. There was a rhythm to his stand-up. It was almost like jazz. I think, I think his daughter talks about that. It's like jazz, and it's, and it's got a flow. And with George Carlin, if those words didn't flow right, I mean, he would spend a year sometimes perfecting it. And this is a man who, at the end of the day, wanted to be a movie star. That was his lifelong dream. And so he had these steps to take to get to that to that moment. He's like, okay, I got to do radio. Okay, I got to do stand up. The same could be said about jo- uh, jo- uh, Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers said that. Joan Rivers said she always wanted to be an actress. She, you know, became a stand-up to pay the bills. Also because she was a writer. <laughs> uh, she knew George all too well. She talked about that when they would do the, the open mics in, in Greenwich Village. And she said how... The hat would get passed back. And sometimes there would be a severed head, you know. She talks about 
she there's a really great documentary on I know there's a documentary they're working on about George Carlin Jet Jet Apatow is doing it I know that the family is I yeah I think the family is connected to it as well but George is mentioned in Joan Rivers documentary a piece of work and she talks about that she was going to the Kennedy Center honors they were going to give George Carlin posthumously the Mark Twain Prize in comedy, and she and she's talking about it. She's and George and Jim Joan Rivers did not hold back, and she says, "I find this thing oh very hypocritical. This is everything that George said he wasn't, and we're going to be performing for a lot of Republicans. He hated the establishment, and that's true. He did not like the establishment. He did not believe in voting." I don't know about now. You know, he said this country was bought and paid for and sold. He said, you have no rights. What what George Carlin would make of now, we're going to dive into that. I'm going to play some clips. He's still, he's still considered a controversial figure. Yeah. 12 years after his, or is it 13 years after his death? Lucky 13, huh? Yeah. I know some people who don't think George Carlin was very funny. <coughs> and I tell them, hey, you got to get into the rhythm of it, of it. I don't want to say to them, well, you kind of got to be a little smarter than the average bear to get the comedy. Where, I mean, I understand it where he's like, I'm just looking for a place to put my stuff. I am too. We, we all have a lot of shit. We all have a lot of stuff. Too much stuff. And he, and now you, you take social media. You got to take a picture. You, you know, you can't let it sit inside your mind. So he had a point. He influenced Bill Hicks, who also said, "Is there a point to this? There has to be." Yeah, he influenced everybody. Margaret Cho, you name it. And so, in a in a brief moment, we're gonna take a break. And we're going to talk about Mr. George Carlin. This would have been his 84th birthday. If he was still alive, hey, <laughs> it would be funny. I'm just telling you it would be funny. We'll be right back. Dr. Zeus Film Podcast in a bit. Observing the birthday of Mr. George Carlin. Sex. They want to cover that up and disguise it. Guys in Europe, they know how to live. Guy gets in the elevator over there, he smells like a pile of dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, celebrating Mr. George Carlin on his birthday. Oh. Merry go round. But usually it's their own idea. <laughs> You know what it means? Eat shit, motherfucker! <laughs> <laughs> so many moments. Not get laid with green shit that comes out of a bottle, okay? <laughs> yeah, uh, he did it all. He did it all. And, and he didn't apologize for who he was publicly. 
I'm sure like everybody, Carlin had a lot of regrets. But that's not what we're talking about. And comedy traditionally has picked on people in power, people who abuse their power. Uh, women and gays and immigrants are kind of, to my way of thinking, underdogs. And, um, you know, he ought to be careful because he's Jewish. And a lot of the people who want to pick on these kind of groups, the Jews are on that list a little further. You got women, gays, gypsies, blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly you find Jews. And, and Andrew, suddenly Andrew's arrested. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mean, obviously he should do what he wants. And uh, why does he get away with it, do you think, then? Well, because he's never a, laughed at jokes about the Well, he's war. appealing. I think he's appealing largely. I think his core audience are young white males who are threatened by these groups. I think a lot of these guys aren't sure they're manhood because that's a problem when you're going in through adolescence. You know, am I really? Am I? Could I be? I hope I'm not one of them. And the women who assert themselves and are competent are a threat to these men, and so are immigrants in terms of jobs. And and uh, and, and so that's why we, as an audience, then will laugh. I, you say we. I don't think you mean. I mean, I don't know. But I, I mean, think you're collectively. That, I think that's what what is at the core of that experience that takes place in these arenas. There's a certain, uh, uh, you know, a, a sharing of, of uh, anger and rage at, at, these, at these targets. And I'm sure Andrew isn't that angry at them. I'm sure he's playing it as a comic. That's George Carlin talking to Larry King. George Carlin was on Larry King a lot. A lot. He said so many things. Throughout his life. Seven words you can't say on TV. But we just have to. We got to dive into this. I don't want to be long and drawn out. Sometimes, Here we go. Sometimes it's okay, but not all the time. That's And they're the only words that seem to have that restriction. I mean, there are a lot of words you can say whenever you want. You know, pneumonia. Nobody gives you a lot of... All right, you can't yell it in the hospital a great deal, but what the hell? There are words that you can say, no problem. Topography! No one has ever gone to jail for screaming topography. But there are some words that you can go to jail for. There are some words that we just have decided we will not say all the time. Sometimes, okay, if you're running through the jungle chasing somebody that we're at war with, you can holler them. If you're shooting a criminal, it's okay. It's the all-American thing. Dirty fucking crook. But if you're with the bishop's wife at lunch, it's better not to ask for the goddamn lettuce. You know what I mean? It's just like we've decided there'd be some words we won't say all the time. And I was just trying to find out which words they were. For sure. All of them. I wanted a list. Because nobody gives you a list. That's the problem. They don't give you a list. Wouldn't you think it'd be normal if they didn't want you to say something to tell you what it is? Nobody even tells you when you're a kid what the words are that you're supposed to avoid. You have to say them to find out which ones they are. Shit! Oh, fuck! That's two. Oh, Ma, that's enough trial and error, huh? Please, Ma, give me a list, huh? All right, you're six years old now. And here's the list of words your dad and I don't ever want to hear you say. Oh, hey, thanks, Ma. Boy, that's going to save me an ass kicking or two. (laughs) Yeah, you never know what's going to be on the list. Because it's always somebody else's list. You didn't make that up. Somebody told you that shit. They told you better better not say that. So you gotta 
And you don't know what's going to be on their list. God, people's lists even change from day to day. Some people on Friday night got a list, you know, not about two or three words. Sunday morning, goddamn, there's 27 words. On These are the same people two days later. Different list. So you got to kind of watch out what you're going to believe from them. The trouble is, I was trying to find out what these words might be. And I wanted to know the ones that you could never say on television. I mean the filthy words that are always filthy. There are a lot of these little two-way, double-entendre words that have two meanings, words that are okay part of the time. I call them like part-time filth. Some of these words, they're only 50% dirty. You have words like ass. Ass is hardly even a dirty word anymore, but it has a few meanings that you can't say on television. That's what I was talking about. What can you say on television? That's another one of those places where we can't use these words all the time. But some of them are all right some of the time. Ass is all right on television. You can say on television things like, well, you've made a perfect ass of yourself tonight. But you can't say, hey, let's go get some ass. <laughs> Bitch. Bitch is another word like that. Same kind of word. It's the only dirty part of the time. Depends on what you mean by bitch. You might be the lady from the San Diego Zoo visiting one of the Tonight Shows, and you might just have a bunch of little canines with you there. One of them is a female. You say, there's the bitch, Johnny, and it's okay, fine. Just don't refer to the singer the same way. That's <laughs> Is that bitch going to do another number? Yes. <laughs> Animals are fine on those two-way words. And that's it. That's what I was trying to find. The words that were always dirty, not just part of the time. But completely filth. Well, in, in looking for these words, I kept finding new categories. We have so many ways of describing these dirty words. It's, well, we have more ways to describe dirty words than we actually have dirty words. That seems a little strange to me. It seems to indicate that somebody was awfully interested in these words. They kept referring to them. They called them bad words, dirty. Filthy, foul, vile, vulgar, coarse, in poor taste, unseemly, street talk, gutter talk, locker room language, barracks talk, body, naughty, saucy, raunchy, rude, crude, lewd, lascivious, indecent, profane, obscene, blue, off color, risque, suggestive. Cursing, cussing, swearing, and all I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. That was my original list. I knew it wasn't complete, but it was a starter set, you know? Shit, piss, fuck, yes, WBAI is the one who played them. Shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cocksucker, motherfucker, and tits. Now, that was the original list. We've added a few words since then. We've added fart, turd, and twat. <laughs> and I know there are some other words that many of you are wondering about, why they haven't been considered, why they haven't shown up on the list thus far. We're looking at them all very closely. Some of your favorites might make the list this year. <laughs> Asshole, ball bag, hard on, piss hard, blue balls, taint, nookie, snatch, box... Pussy, pecker, peckerhead, pecker tracks, jism, joint, doniker, dork, poontang. <laughs> Cornhole and dingleberry. Dingleberry, a very popular word. 
And to my way of thinking, Dingleberry, a rather innocent-sounding word, Dingleberry, sounds Christmassy to me, you know. <laughs> Let's put one on the tree, Dad. <laughs> That's uh, George Carlin saying those beautiful seven words can't say on TV in the 1970s. And yes, there was that famous case where it was heard on the radio, it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and one of the justices had to read off. His daughter talks about that. That's a proud moment for him is that a justice had to read the word shit, piss, fuck, cocksucker, motherfucker, tits, and twat for the Supreme Court. Yep. George Carlin did so many funny things. He did Touched by an Atheist on Bad TV. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But if I were to leave you with something, there's, there's, there's so much to George Carlin. Some really interesting things. Here we go. Like, besides killing ourselves, we also kill each other. Murder. And we're the only ones who do that, by the way. We're the only species on Earth that deliberately kills members of our own species for personal gain or pleasure. Sometimes it's just fun. We're also the only species that deliberately kills members of another species for personal gain or pleasure. That's what hunters do. They kill for pleasure. That's us, human beings, interesting folks, murderers. Here's an interesting form of murder we come up with. Assassination. You know what's interesting about assassination? Well, not only does it change those popularity polls in a big fucking hurry, but it's also interesting to notice who it is we assassinate. Do you ever notice who it is? Stop to think of who it is we kill. It's always people who've told us to live together in harmony and try to love one another. Jesus, Gandhi, Lincoln, John Kennedy, Bobby Kennedy, Martin Luther King, Medgar Evers, Malcolm X, John Lennon. They all said, try to live together peacefully. Bam! Right in the fucking head. Apparently, we're not ready for that. Yeah, that's difficult behavior for us. We're too busy thinking around, sitting around, trying to think up ways to kill each other. Here's one we came up with. It's efficient, too. Genocide, you know? Killing large numbers of people simply because they don't look like you, they don't talk like you, and they don't have the same kind of hats you do. You ever notice that anytime you see two groups of people who really hate each other, chances are good they're wearing different kind of hats. Keep an eye on that. It might be important. But anytime there's genocide, there are always mass graves. Right? Every time we kill some dictator and go march into his country, we always find mass graves. Thousands and thousands of dead bodies of people the dictator killed. And everybody over here gets horrified. Whoa, mass graves, mass graves, whoa. Well, shit, what's a guy supposed to do with a couple of thousand people he just killed? <laughs> Dig separate holes? Fuck that shit. <laughs> it's labor intensive. Get real. The whole idea of killing a large number of people at one time in one place is convenience. Efficiency. Throw them in the fucking hole. Look at it this way. At least the dictator had the decency to throw a little dirt on them. Give the guy some credit. Dictator's a busy man. Got a lot on his mind. Like trying to figure out who's planning to kill him. So he can pick him up, put him in prison, and torture them. Here's another one of our interesting, heartwarming behaviors we come up with. Somewhere along the way, torturing each other. You want to hear a really cool torture that the Romans invented? They also use it as a form of capital punishment. It's really creative. 
They would take the guy in question, stuff him in a burlap sack, seal the sack up real tight, and throw it in the river. But, and here's the creative part, inside the sack with the guy, they would put a dog, a monkey, and a snake. Okay? A dog, a monkey, and a snake. That's fucking creative. Imagine being inside a burlap sack underwater in the dark, sitting next to a drowning monkey. Think he'd be moving around a little bit? The dog would be going ape shit, we know that. And the snake, well, he'd probably be getting curious about what all the activity was inside the sack. He might do anything. But whatever he did, it would probably involve venom and his teeth. You know what you'd be doing? You'd be praying to God that the snake bit the monkey and the dog ate the snake. Praying. Yeah. Then, yeah. then it would be just you and the dog, man and his best friend, drowning together. Maybe before you died, you could teach him a few tricks. Roll over and play dead wouldn't be too difficult, would it? <laughs> We're going to end there. Oh, my God. You know, originally, was it that one? So there, uh, supposedly he did a performance right before 9-11 happened, and they shelved it. I'm not going to dive too much into it. I thought, you know what? Let's talk. Let's go to the beginning of Carlin's career. You know, when he was. And now, the latest in weather, here's Al Fleet, your hippy dippy weatherman. <laughs> hey, man, what's that for? showers which extends from a point nine miles south southeast of Chester, Pennsylvania along a line and six miles either side of a line to a point eight miles north northeast of Secaucus, New Jersey. However, the radar is also picking up a squadron of Russian ICBM. <laughs> so I wouldn't sweat the thunder shower. That's the hippy dippy weatherman and from there things changed for the better George Carlin died on June 22nd 2008 at the age of 71 it's we've all I don't think any of us will ever recover because that man he wasn't just a legend he wasn't just someone who was really fucking funny he was the truth truth teller Truths, uh, a truth guru. Oh yeah, and and he, the what he did with words. You know that that performance of some words you can't say on TV is not only funny, it's riveting. And the way he gets to it, the way he tells those stories. Got to remember, this is the the man with the Danny K Danny K dream to be a movie star. He went into the movies, but he is forever remembered as a wordsman, as a comedian. So happy birthday, George Carlin. Unpleasant dreams. And remember, I'm just looking for a place to put my stuff. Good night. <laughs>